if, if I observe people who see my work for the first time, I, I, I really enjoy that. Then people love it or they hate it. The people that love it, they are really intrigued by the, the fact that there's no picture behind it. If you explain that no, there are, there's no picture behind the thread, it's only thread and, and, and a white background, then, then they're really amazed and intrigued by the fact that it is possible. And then the next question they ask is how, but not how do you produce it, but how, how is it possible? And, and how do you find a pattern? And if you don't have technical background, it's, it's like magic. I'm Andrew Rutgers, co-host of Tangible Computing. I'm Gareth Thomas, co-host of Tangible Computing. The Tangible Computing podcast is about where computing meets the real world. From the fast and complex, like controlling an engine, to imaging a patient or scheduling an airline. We want to trigger your curiosity by talking to the people behind the scenes of making the modern world happen, deepening your understanding of where computation plays a role in our everyday lives and motivating you to help engineer a better world. This podcast is powered by Version Bay a consulting company that offers experienced consultants to professionalize your MATLAB, Simulink, and Python projects, minimizing the risk and quantifying the value in migrating to newer software environments. And now, let's find out how software drives the world. Welcome to Tangible Computing Podcast, about how computing interacts with the real world. Today we're talking with Joost Brillman. Joost is the CEO of uh, Studio String Art. Joost, start off tell us a fun fact about yourself that maybe not many people know i think what m many people don't know about me is that i quit my job as an electrical engineer to become a string artist and that's what we're going to talk about today in the interview so can you tell me about what does studio string art do Studio String Art creates string art, and the best way to describe it is to visualize uh, a blank white canvas and currently focus on, on round shapes, so a white, a white round canvas where at the edge we place two to three hundred nails and then we, I take a, a black wire, connect a knot to one of the nails and then I start to draw lines between the nails in a unique pattern to represent an image. So, so you can think of this as like a, a tennis racket where all of the wires have gone kind of different ways or different patterns, and then it creates an image out of the, the wires of the tennis racket. Is that kind of a, an analogy? Correct. So if there's quite the product process, it starts with an image where I take a look at, uh, at, at the contrast of the image. So that the darker places require more black threads to create the contrast. And then we need some complex algorithms to, to calculate the pattern in such a way that you build up a two-dimensional image out of straight lines that uh, are connected between, uh, between the nails. And can you do this with any image or is it are there certain characteristics you need to look for in an image that make it good for this other than being round? Yes, you can, can do this with every image. However, you can imagine that to reach the spots, for example, in, in, in the middle, you need to cross other spots as well. If you, for example, take a, a checkerboard, there's a lot of, of contrast, but it's alternating black, white, black, white, black, white. To fill up the, the middle black square, you need to cross also other squares. And ideally, you only cross the, the, the black squares and not the, 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 the white squares. And 
that's not possible. So you have to make a compromise here, there. And the, the more changes in contrast you have, so the more squares, the lower your actual contrast yeah, will be. And what, what inspired you to start Studio String Art? A few years ago, I saw a, a random video, I think it was on YouTube, of a guy who did this by hand. So he was standing there on the streets, connecting the, the wire to a nail and creating the image. And it took him, him hours to do that. Luckily, it was a time-lapse video. So, and, and I was intrigued by the fact that you can build up an, an image out of straight lines. So I looked into it and then, and then I, I found that a, a Greek artist named uh, Petros Frelis actually invented this technique. And I, I did a little bit more research and I also found that some people are making algorithms to, to come up with the ideal pattern. And that, that's the, I don't think the ideal pattern exists, but it, it, it motivated me to do a little bit of research into that. And uh, yeah, I'm passionate about automation and, and building things. So I designed a robot to, uh, to do that. I often find there's a tension between the kind of pure mathematicians who really like to find the optimal solution and the, the solution that they can prove is optimal. And then the engineers who kind of say, well, if it's 99th percentile, that's good enough. And maybe I don't get the last 1%. Maybe I can't absolutely prove it's perfect, but it's still way better than what we were doing before. So let's go with it. So the way you think about the algorithm, it sounds like it's more the engineering hat of it. It's got to look pretty good, but it's not going to be the optimal perfect. I think an optimization is all about what to optimize and, and what is optimal. And there are a lot of things that's, that that impact the end results. And one of them is, is not really tangible. It's like the, the visual experience of the piece of art. And it, it, it's really hard to put a number on that and to grasp that and to create a, a, a cost function out of that to optimize. Yeah, exactly. So you, I, I can come up with a, a measure of contrast and I can say, give me the highest contrast solution to this problem. But that's probably not the most aesthetically pleasing. And that's where exactly. the kind of yeah, the artistic yeah. dimension comes into it. Yeah. So for example, an, an image that is very wide requires less less wires, for example. Eh? So less, uh, if you, if you uh, take the analogy of a printer, less ink. <laughs> but if you, for example, have a portrait, that the most important thing is are the eyes. If the eyes are okay, then the, the, the human brain makes the rest of it as this is okay, this is how it should be. If, if I focus on another aspect then and I mess up the eyes, then it's, it's not okay. So it really depends on the artwork I'm, I'm building and what's important there. So parts of it I can really describe, things like contrast, uh, brightness, but there are a lot of details that are yeah, hard to put in a cost function to optimize. Actually, it's a great to kind of lead into how do you find going between the kind of, on the one hand, you're very technical. I mean, you're talking about algorithms, cost functions for optimality and building robots to build the, the, the string art. But then at the same time, you're talking about very much the, the artistic side of it, the quality of the eyes and, and the aesthetic depth. How do you find going between those kind of two worlds? Yeah, that's, 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 that's a good good question. So one, one of the first things uh, I focused on was building a simulator to uh, predict how a pattern would look like in real life. Because um, despite the fact that I build a robot to automate the work, it still takes a few hours to thread the string art. 
experimenting with, uh, with different patterns and optimization techniques and it, it really makes sense to to have a quick idea of how uh, yeah, how, how that turns out so that that's enables me to put some creativity uh, in the work and what, what do you find are some of the biggest computational challenges in computing that and doing the simulation is, is the simulator and the tool that figures out what it's going to look like are those the same tool or are they separate parts what, what are the challenges there are separate parts starting from the image towards the, the pattern or the visualization visualization of the pattern first thing that happens is that uh, a picture is, is made around so square and then corners are cut off i convert it to black and white because only the, the the contrast matters and then the actual algorithm starts to find the, the most optimal pattern so starting at near one looking for the best next candidate um, and then that takes a while because if you have more than 300 nails, there are a lot of possibilities. So that number blows up quite quite fast. That's the the the, the biggest challenge is the, is the time it takes for the algorithm to um, get to come up with a solution. And because if you have a solution, then you can check the results and go go back. And so the the, the speed of of the algorithm uh, defines the speed Iteration of, the, of that speed. Yeah, exactly the speed of that effect feedback loop. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely find that's an important one with, with simulations and design tools in my own work is the speed that it runs at impacts how fast you can iterate. And the more you can iterate, the more you can explore and the more you can, can the better the solution you can find out. What's the typical runtime for your algorithm like to, to come up with an art example? Yeah, so that, that, that highly depends on the, 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 the brightness and, and the number of nails. So if you take like 350 nails and the regular portraits, I think takes about 15 minutes okay yeah what, what languages or what tools do you use to to program that uh, I, I developed this in python are there any any interesting or special libraries or it's just it's a straight python um currently it's it's straight python however i'm also looking into libraries to make use of the gpu inside the, inside the computer yeah, so the CUDA compute, computations, that kind of stuff. That For some types of work, that can really accelerate the performance. So yes, just maybe a question from my side. Maybe to dive a little bit deeper into the algorithms. You say algorithm. Is it one algorithm? Or is it like, have you got five different algorithms based if it's a portrait, <laughs> if it's a landscape, maybe a, a picture of an animal? And do you then create like 10, 15, 100 variations and then you manually choose? How does that actually work? Can you go a little bit deeper? I would say it's, it's one algorithm, but there are a lot of um, parameters that are tunable. So de depending indeed on, uh, on the image, the input image, I, uh, I, 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 I set the, the parameters on, on based on experience. And then indeed I run multiple, create multiple patterns. And then in the end, I, I check how they, uh, how they turned out and uh, uh, decide if reconfiguration uh, is uh, is required or not. And, and does it vary where you start? Is that one of the parameters? So you said you have the 300 nails. Is the starting position a big deal or not really? No, it is not a big deal. My work typically contains nine, between nine and 15,000 of lines. So the, the, the first line doesn't really matter. If I take it out, you, need, you really need a trained eye to see that. 
How do you find that your technical background has been valuable to uh, creating Studio String Art? I think uh, that being... I benefited a lot of that uh, in, in creating the, the robot and, and the algorithm. Having the robot automatically threading 15,000 lines in, in a re reliable way, that's, uh, yeah, that, that's not a trivial task. There are a lot of details that, that are important there. And also for the the algorithm development, yeah, it was really uh, convenient to have some uh, some knowledge about that, uh, knowing where to start, knowing to yeah, how, how to optimize that. That's that that was really valuable. On the other hand, there's also uh, yeah a, a, a downside, of course. That it's a trap for me to go into technical solutions. So. As a great lead into kind of the next question, how do you value the software and the machine in relationship to kind of the artistic and marketing sides of the business? I know this has been one of my one of my challenges coming from being very technical and starting a business is dealing with all the marketing side and it's kind of a different mentality. How do you balance your time between those areas? I definitely uh, fell into the in, into the trap of thinking, well, if a great and the best product, then marketing and sales uh, goes automatically. I can now tell you from experience that that is not the case. <laughs> I, I can also tell you from experience that that I, I've had exactly the same lesson, and I think it's one that a, a lot of people you graduate engineering and you say, well, I've made a better mouse trap, so everyone's going to want it. <laughs> and then yeah. you realize the world doesn't actually work that way. Exactly. So I learned the hard way to now, now focus on improving things only if, uh, if it makes sense. So, for example, there are still a lot of, of manual tasks that, that I need to do before creating a string art. So some are in uh, preparing the image, but, but also hammering in the nails of the board, things like that. And, and the engineer in me, you have to, to, to temper the engineer in me to, to stop designing a, a robot that automatically, and, and yes, it would, would be awesome. But uh, if you look at the, the amount of string artworks uh, I make right now, it doesn't make sense to put any effort into that because uh, it's way better to, to put that effort into sales and marketing. Yeah, your, your time is better, is more valuable on Instagram than in building a, uh, a nailing robot uh, for now. Hopefully that changes around soon, but th yeah, that's, so that's uh, as the exactly business grows. That, 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 goes, that goes hand in hand. And, and, and now I think I've found a great base of, of, of improving the machine and the algorithm in, in an incremental way. So every time I have a new order, then I try to improve something. And that, that really works out and also motivates me to, to do that. So if my machine is, uh, if the yield is low, for example, and I get a new order, then, then I really have to fix it because otherwise I, I cannot, uh, cannot make this piece of art. And if I do the order right around, then, then I can start improving, but I, I will never stop and I will never start to focus on the, the more com commercial aspects of, uh, of this. Yeah, for, for my own business, I found similar that I, I do continuously improve it. In my background, I enjoy doing the improvement work, but I also appreciate the the value and the necessity of the marketing and the commercial side. And so it's it's finding that balance that you're doing a little bit of both to keep going. So when you say I created a robot, my mental mind says I've got this pick and place arm. Can you maybe describe it a little bit more? And following up from the moment you've created your image, what then happens? How do you give that image to your robot to start executing? Yeah, when the algorithm has been completed, um, you have a pattern and the pattern basically says something like start at nail one, go to nail 51, 203, etc., etc. And that is used for the representation visually. So then I can check this is 
what comes out of the machine when it's totally finished. And if I approve that, then I take the pattern and I convert that to a specific file format that's called a G-code. And it's typically used in CNC machines or 3D printers. So that's a very common format. And then I send that file to my uh, robot and the control board um, accepts that file and uses that to drive the stepper motors to move the robot arms in such a way that the string is applied in the correct way. And then after this robot is done, are there additional artistic caveats that you like shipping with your products? Maybe I, 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 I forgot the, the process where, I f- of course, first have to make the canvas that is made out of covered in uh, with, with white paint. So it's like uh, yeah, completely white. I have to put in all the nails. So I actually also use a robot to drill the holes on the very exact coordinates that, that are equal as the ones that they used in the, in the algorithm. Then I have to put in the nails load in the canvas onto the machine and then manually i have to create a very tiny knot <laughs> it's like a like a surgeon with a with a tweezer uh, on the first nail and, and that's the moment uh, that i can start the robot when the robot is finished so then uh, again i have to, uh, to to make a knot to uh, yeah finish the piece and then i will uh, yeah, add, add some branding to it a nice sticker on the background with a with a logo uh, and this very small name tag at the bottom of the of the image. Um, and when that's finished, I create a nice uh, frame. So uh, I work together with a local company here that customly welds steel frames for me. And then another local company uh, paints them black to give it a nice touch. And most of my customers uh, request the shipping. So... Then of course, shipping uh, an, an artwork is is an art of its own. So having it, uh, yeah, p- protecting it in such a way that uh, that it arrives in in one piece is uh, is challenging. But I find a nice solution for that, covering it covering it in foam and then uh, putting it in a nice studio string art box. How big is uh, the uh, string art? Um, I currently uh, support two uh, dimensions. So the smallest one is uh, has a diameter of 40 centimeters and the, the larger one uh, for 58 centimeters. Where do people typically display their string art? So the majority of my customers use it just to, to decorate their home and then mostly with, uh, with some personalized pictures. So they can, they can upload a photo, for instance, and then you uh, are able to create the art from the photo. Exactly. So if, if you go to my, uh, my website, studiostringart.nl, um, you get the option to upload your own picture and you're immediately uh, presented with a, with, a, with a preview of, of your picture uh, in, in string art. And if you leave your name and your, your email address, I will also uh, make a more detailed uh, render of, the, of your design. And then that's really on the string level. So what are some of the things you want to learn next? I, I would love to learn more about parallel computing and, 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 and the way GPUs work and just to make an uh, estimation if I can benefit from that and uh, to, to speed up the algorithm. Okay. And uh, you, how can people reach out to you if they want some string art for their home? They can find me on, on Instagram, Studio String Art, or visit my website, studiostringart.nl. And there you'll see my, uh, my phone number and my email address. They can... Uh, can send me, uh, send me a message. Great. And we'll also put links to that in the show notes. So if they want to see your art, they can have a look at uh, Studio String Art on Instagram. You said something which kind of triggered me. Is It seems that you were inspired by this YouTube video. But when you 
show this to other people, do people automatically understand the the beauty of having a machine there or do people expect that it's done manually and that's part of the value? Can you tell me a little bit more about how you convince people of the beauty of this art that you create? Well, I don't see it as my job to to convince people of, of the beauty. And if, if I observe people who see my work for the first time, I, I, I really enjoy that. Then people love it or they hate it. You have two sides. And the people that love it, they are really intrigued by the, the fact that there is no picture behind it. That's the first question I always get. Like, is there a picture behind it? And why are there threads over the picture? And then if you explain them, no, there are, there's no picture behind the thread. It's only thread and, and, and a white background. Then, then they're really amazed and intrigued by the fact that it is possible. And then the next question they ask is like, how but not how do you produce it but how how is it possible and and how do you find a pattern and if you don't have technical background it's it's it's, it's like magic so like yeah. so what is the most fun part of doing this is it that you see when you tell people the story the most fun part despite of course uh, the, the, the engineering challenges are the direction of people so that's really nice to observe but also the the more personal stories you hear when you can make uh, make a personal work of art for them. So people send in their personal picture, and that's often a, a, a family member, but also sometimes a, a deceased family member or uh, a, a dog. There's always a story to, to put personal image, and, and it really motivates me to play a role in that and to... I feel honored to to make a a personal piece of art for, yeah. You're, you're helping people to treasure their memories. Yes, exactly. So, what is your uh, superhero origin story? How did you come to uh, doing string art? I think it's a it's a long story. I think it's, it started when I was was a little boy and my remote control car broke, and I had a, a grandfather who in my mind could could fix everything and uh, he was an electrical engineer as well so uh, we opened it together and we tried to to fix the pcb uh, and that was totally impossible so at that moment i was really intrigued okay why can't we fix this and uh, i don't understand how it should work i'm not able to fix it and that that feeling kept with me for quite a while and when i grew older i got an electric train uh, started to automate that uh, learning about electricity and then i decided to uh, do a bachelor in electrical engineering and uh, what well, i think this was uh, uh, was was a good step, and at the university I decided to do a, a master focused on uh, uh, power electronics, and I selected power electronics because I have quite a broad interest. And although power electronics uh, sounds like a really uh, specified field, it's also quite broad because it involves analog electronics, uh, it involves control because you have to control a voltage or a current. Nowadays. Um, Control is mostly done digital. They're also very interested in, in the dig digital aspect. And when you build it together, you get uh, yeah, you're con confronted with uh, with reality. So you uh, you really get a physical setup uh, which I like. Uh, and then things like EMC are just around the corner, and, and that, that really intrigues me. Uh, that, that part of do you gravitate more towards the mechanical solution? Or do you gravitate more towards optimizing on the software side? How do you see that as a, a balance between making your art cleaner and better? 
I, I always assess like what's the gain and what's the pain. So in, in, in general, if I can fix something in uh, or optimize something in, in software, uh, that's way easier than uh, milling a new part of uh, a new mechanical part of the, of the robot. So if it's possible to fix it in software, uh, then I do it like that. So in, in, in general, I lean more towards optimizing things in software and, and electronics than, than, than the mechanical side. Do you see uh, string art also being useful in kind of uh, as corporate uh, art for logos or, or gifts? Yeah, so uh, as we talked before, you can convert any image into a pattern. It depends a little bit on the logo. Some logos turn out uh, really great and other logos, uh, especially logos with a lot of text, turn out not, not so great. So if you're in doubt, I invite you to request a preview on my website. And yes, indeed, uh, as, as, as corporate gifts, I have a lot of clients that, uh, for example, uh, order a, a portrait of the CEO to celebrate uh, the 10th year anniversary of, uh, of the company. Cool, yeah. To thank the listeners of Tangible yeah. Computing and for everyone who's interested and orders string artwork via studiostringart.nl slash TC, I will throw in a free video of the way the string art is built up line by line. Great, that'd be uh, interesting to see it in action. This is a great place to stop our conversation today. I wanted to thank you for listening to Tangible Computing. While we have your attention, we really want this podcast to trigger your curiosity and motivate you to engineer a better world. So let us know if you have any ideas for future topics or speakers or how to make this podcast better. Send an email to tangible at tangiblecomputing.com.